Hello, and thank you for joining us on Giving Voice to Depression. I'm Bridget. And I'm Terry. More than 350 million people worldwide suffer from depression, but you do not have to have it yourself to be affected by it. Its prevalence pretty much guarantees that someone you care about battles its darkness. This podcast tries to shine some light into that darkness. We're not experts and we're not therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and who are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness. Hi, Terry. Hi, Bridget. Today we're going to hear from Jennifer Marshall, and she's someone who has grown to become quite comfortable with sharing her story because she believes that it can save lives. Let's listen to Jennifer as she gives voice to depression. For the first 26 years of her life, mental illness wasn't really on Jennifer Marshall's radar. As a self-described type A person, a commission job was perfect for her. The harder she worked, the more money she made. Jennifer was a top performer in her company, until the week she barely slept. My husband had been away on a business trip, and when he got back that Friday, he took one look at me, and he knew that something was wrong, but he could not figure it out. But then by Sunday, I told him I could hear Jesus speaking to me through the TV. So he was like, this is you know, not okay. I have to call for help. So he had to call 911, and they said it sounded like a psychiatric emergency, and the dispatchers came, EMS, and I was taken to the hospital and admitted to a psychiatric hospital. I took the week off work, you know, and I, I got rest and thought, well, it was probably just because I didn't sleep. Jennifer went back to work. Glad that was over. Two weeks later, she knew it wasn't. That time I landed in the psychiatric hospital in Florida because we were visiting my family for the holidays. And it was Christmas Day and I was hospitalized on Christmas Day. It was awful. But I came out of that and realized, okay, this is an illness. I need to figure it out. I need to get well. Um, and I started seeing a psychiatrist and a therapist. And I ended up having to quit my job because I couldn't really function under the pressure anymore. I had severe anxiety and severe depression. Jennifer said that next year was a very long and hard one with a lot of learning. Getting the diagnosis was kind of a relief because... Then I knew what I was dealing with and I knew how to start to treat it. And so it was working with my psychiatrist and my therapist to understand what made me sick. And what made me sick was not getting enough sleep. Um, that's my number one trigger. So sleep is very, very important to anyone, but it's really important to people who have bipolar type one. I didn't have any friends or family members that I knew of that had experienced something similar. So it was a feeling of isolation and also fear. One fear was of never finding a treatment that actually made a difference. I feared that I would never get better. I feared that I would always be depressed and that I was always going to feel things in, in tones of gray. But once we got the right medicine, it was like I could feel my old self coming back. And that was that was really a relief. While Jennifer says she has found and is committed to her treatment plan that includes lifestyle changes and medication. During the years that we were having our kids, I didn't want to be on medicine. And I went against the advice of my doctors and had two other episodes of, of mania. They were hard, especially those two, because 
similar to the the first two, I was involuntarily committed. But, you know, those latter two times, I was taken in handcuffs both times. It wasn't that I was violent. I'm not violent. I was just very, uh, I was objecting to taking my medicine and I was very argumentative and so forth. And so for the safety of the patient and for the safety of the, you know, those transporting the patient, they do use handcuffs and it's just, it's terrible. And should that image seared in her head of being pregnant and being taken away ever start to fade? Her father took out some insurance. My dad took a picture of me in handcuffs. This is because he wanted me to have that image of not ever going off my medication again. He's like, Jen, you're going to have two babies now to take care of. And how can you take care of them if you're not taking care of yourself? You have to take care of this. You have to manage your illness. It's going to be something you're going to have the rest of your life. You're going to have to live with it. So um, I want you to have this picture. And he never, you know, I never got the picture. I never saw the picture, but he always told me he had it. Jennifer blogged anonymously for a year and a half as the bipolar mom. Then when offered a writing job, she made a decision that altered the course of her life. That was the moment when I decided I'm done hiding and I just want to share my story openly and I don't care about stigma. I know it's there, but I want to do something about it. And I felt like putting my name on my story was the best way to do that. Jennifer was obviously right. Her message resonates. She's been featured in Oprah Magazine, The Washington Post. She's given a TEDx talk and co-founded This Is My Brave, an organization responsible for a series of live performances in cities across the country in which people share their personal stories of living with mental illness through poetry, essay, and original music. So when we did our first show in 2014, afterwards, I came out to the lobby and I was saying thank you to everyone who came. And this one woman came up to me and said, hi, Jen, I'm Susan. And I found your blog in my darkest moments when I was going through depression and your writing saved my life. And that was what I needed. That was the proof that putting yourself out there, you know, whether it's in a blog or um, a show where people can watch your video later, you never know how many people are going to read your blog or how many people are going to see those videos. It inspires them. It shows them that, you know, they may be in the midst of a horrible struggle, but that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And when you're in that struggle, you can't tell that there's a light, you know, so these people are being that light for you. I think that helps me stay healthy too. I feel like it's so impressive that she's able to turn her painful experience into a way that's turning it inside out and helping so many other people, just like we are, you know, encouraging people to share their stories to reduce stigma and increase compassion. Which actually leads me to a point I wanted to make at the end of this is, and I don't want to give our listeners the impression or people that don't have depression, the impression, that's hard to say, uh, that people go through like an incredibly dark time and then come out like some phoenix and start a cool organization. You know, because we've talked about Jeff and we've talked now about Jennifer and then ourselves. Um, But the reason we're telling these stories in addition to other personal stories is that, A, we want you to know even people with depression can have and achieve goals. And B, we want you to know how many amazing efforts are going on simultaneously with the same goal, which is essentially to make our lives better. Exactly. 
and through expressing the sorrow and pain and inspiration and hope, you know, it's like when all of that can, can be revealed, um, I don't know. I'm trying to say that it, but by bringing out all the facets of an experience, it does make it more real. A question that, that I learned either on their website or in one of the videos was, are you ready to be brave? And I think that's a good one because, you know, there's, there's lots of stages and steps in that. It could be, are you ready to tell yourself your story? Are you ready to write it? Are you ready to say it out loud, you know, in front of a mirror to yourself? I mean, those are all big steps. And then, you know, do you want to share it with other people? And then there would be the goal that at some point you just hear stories and tell stories and no one uses the word brave because it's normal. Hmm. I think it's brave. Well, I think it is too. I sure felt that way when I did it and probably when you did it as well. I think it's brave. Fine, we'll stick with brave. Yeah. You're brave, Jennifer. Thank you. Really great work, Jennifer. We hope that our podcasts bring about a little more understanding or help people articulate their experience of depression a little more. And thanks to each and every person who's digging deep and finding the words and finding the courage to give voice to depression. And you can find our podcasts on our website, givingvoicetodepression.com, as well as on iTunes, where we hope you will subscribe, rate, and respectfully comment. And please remember, if you're hurting, speak up. If someone else is hurting, listen up.